Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Let's go to the scripture today, Romans chapter 12. By the way, I got a lot of Bible verses for you today. How many of you love the Word of God? Amen? That's what we're here for anyway, to get into the Word of the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of y'all going to help me preach today? Amen? I'm preaching on this subject. I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Amen. Now, I read uh, about a sign that was on the wall of a, a convent in California, and the sign said this, and I quote, said, no trespassing, violators will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, and it was signed, the Sisters of Mercy. <laughs> wow, those sisters might need a little lesson in what mercy is. Amen. Aren't you glad that God's mercy is not like that, amen? That you will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. I'm glad because in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says it is in light of God's mercy. It is because of God's mercy. It is in view of God's mercy that we should offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to him. Now, God's mercy has uh, demonstrated to us in so many ways. The Bible describes it, Psalm 51 and 1, as tender mercy. Psalm 89 and 1, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Psalm 106, 45, multitudes of mercies. Isaiah 54 and 7, great mercies. Isaiah 55 and 3, sure mercies. How many of you know that it is only because of God's mercy that you're even in this place today breathing? Amen. How many of you are thankful for the mercy of God? your life. Matter of fact, I think we ought to just give him a praise right now. Come on. Hallelujah. God, I thank you for your mercy today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just a hair more monitor, please, brothers. How do you measure mercy? Like the mercy that God shows to us. How high does it go? How far does it go? It's infinite. Psalm 103 and 11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Come on, that's some real mercy right there. Amen? Thank God. And because of that, because of that mercy... Because of his sacrifice on the cross, we are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. But what does that mean, really? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? To present yourself, not just for 90 minutes on a Sunday, but your everyday life. 
your week in and week out living. What does that look like? Romans 12 and 1 from the message said it this way. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And what? Place it before God as an offering. Man, that's pretty, pretty, pretty plain, right? Just take your normal life, going to work, walking around, eating, sleeping, what, and you just place it before God as an offering. Now, I don't know about you, though, but one problem I've learned in my life about being a living sacrifice is my living sacrifice likes to crawl off of the altar every so often. Yeah. Right? My living sacrifice doesn't want to stay up on that altar like it should sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about here today? But see, the way you keep it on the altar is what I want to preach about here today. You've got to constantly change your mind. Or in other words, the way that you think. Because not only does God want us to be a living sacrifice, He wants us to be a holy sacrifice. Everybody say holy. Come on, somebody. He wants us to be set apart, separated, sanctified, a holy sacrifice, to be pleasing and acceptable unto God. In other words, not my definition of holiness, not your definition of righteousness, right? Come on, not our definition of sanctification, but what does God want from us? In order to be a holy sacrifice. Now you might be thinking right now, well, I can't conform to that. And you'd be right. Because guess what? Nobody can. Conforming is what the world wants us to do. But the way you become holy, righteous, acceptable, pleasing is by being transformed. And that's what God does in our life. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world. That word conformed in this verse means to mold one thing into the shape of another. It refers to something that's temporary and unstable. Romans 12 and 2. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world from the New Living Translation. From the New Century Version it said don't be shaped by this world. But then it goes on to tell us what we are supposed to do. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Now that word transformed in this verse, it means to undergo a complete change or metamorphosis. Compare it to being a caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. You weren't just shaped into something different. You're completely transformed into something different. It refers to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, and it results in changes to our character, to our conduct. It's talking about real inward change that shows itself on the outside. Come on. Romans 12 and 2, be changed within by a new way of thinking. It said, from the message it said, you will be changed from the inside out. Folks, the world cannot transform you. The world can only conform you. By the way, that's why our world is so messed up right now. Because we're being conformed, we're being shaped, we're being molded into the image of worldly thinking and worldly principles. And all these things that are causing people to just be squeezed into the mold that the enemy is trying to squeeze this world into. And hear me though, but by the same token, even when you become a Christian, you've got to truly be transformed from the inside. What am I talking about? Don't just adopt church customs. 
or worship styles or activities or start talking the lingo of the church. How many of you know, man, as Christians, we got our own lingo. We talk in terms nobody else even understands. Amen. Come on. You don't just adopt that kind of stuff because guess what? That's just another kind of conforming. You've got to be transformed from the inside out. And unless you're transformed, you're never going to really understand what the blessed Christian life really is all about. You're never going to understand the true beauty of worship and prayer and the joy of giving and the blessing of forgiveness or all the thousands of other things that God wants to teach us that comes by internal transformation. So how does God transform us? By the renewing of the mind, which happens by changing the way we think. And hear me, a big part of changing the way you think is something called repentance. Everybody say repentance. You don't hear that word in church very often anymore. But when you hear the word repent, you might have different images that pop in your mind. You might see the guy on the street with the sign who's standing on a box yelling, turn or burn. Maybe that's how you picture repentance. Or maybe the image that you see in your mind is when somebody comes to the altar and they're crying and they're praying and they're calling out to God, which by the way, that's a good thing. Amen. It's nothing wrong with that. But the word repent literally means to change your mind. To change your mind. Acts 3.19 says this. Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That Greek word that's in that verse for repent, metanoia, it literally means I changed my mind. I changed my mind and I became converted. Amen. And hear me. Anytime you realign what you think about with what God is thinking about, you're repenting. You're changing your mind. Amen. I changed my mind. Anytime you replace negative thinking or corrupt worldly thinking with God's word or God's will or his purity and his righteousness, come on, you are repenting. I changed my mind. Amen. And in order to change your life, you must repent. You got to change the way you think. Behind everything that we do is a thought. Behind every behavior is motivated by a belief. Every action is prompted by an attitude. See, folks, repentance brings transformation. You repent when you change the way you think by adopting how God thinks instead. That is true repentance. And, folks, it involves more than just your feelings. It involves your will. It involves your actions. It involves your thinking. It's not just an emotional thing. I feel bad, therefore I repent. No, no, no. It's a conscious decision. It's when I've been trusting myself, or maybe I've been living in sin, or maybe I've been going the wrong way, and I have a dramatic, radical change of mind. I repent from my sin, and I turn to Jesus. I changed my mind. Come on, somebody, I once was lost, but now I'm found because I changed my mind. Come on, I once was blind, but now I see because I what? Come on, help me out. Come on, I once was bound by addictions, but I changed my mind, and now I'm an overcomer. I once was depressed, but now I'm living a victorious life. Why? I changed my mind. I changed the way I think. 
I stopped thinking defeated thoughts when I changed my mind. And now I think victorious thoughts. I changed my mind. A change of mind means you shift from placing faith in yourself to placing faith in him. It's when you say, Lord, once and for all and forevermore, I truly trust you. I'm going to follow you. That is repentance. That is repentance. Jesus said in Luke 13, 13, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Second Peter 3 and 9 reminds us the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I love Romans 10, 9 through 10. He said, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For Now notice verse 10, because it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Notice in verse 10, it says belief and justification take place where? Inwardly. you got to have an inward change of heart. Amen. You can say whatever you want to say, but change begins on the inside. Amen. Don't tell me that you changed. Show me that you changed. Come on, I changed my mind. See, repentance is not just turning over a new leaf. It's receiving a new life. Amen. It's trusting the Lord each day to lead you and guide you. But hear me, folks, this is, where I want, this is where a lot of Christians make a mistake. We mess up. We think that this is just a decision that I make one time. That is not the case at all. Folks, you don't just pray a prayer of confession or repentance and you're all good the rest of your life. You don't just speak in tongues and now your card has been punched, your ticket is set, and you're all in good shape right now. Come on, somebody. I want to help you right now. Amen. You don't have it made in the shade. It's an act of trust every day. Paul said this, I have to die once. No, that's not what he's, I got to die daily. Because hear me, as believers, and I want to help somebody today. I want to drive this point home today. We still fight with our sinful nature. We do. Amen. And sometimes we will still commit sinful acts or we will think sinful thoughts. Therefore, we still need to repent or change our minds. Folks, hear me. Repentance is not just feeling sorry for your sins. The Bible said godly sorrow leads us to repent. Change your minds. Let me give you a verse. 2 Corinthians 7 and 10. It says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience is what? It leads us away from sin and it results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which what? Lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Godly sorrow does what? It leads us away from sin. Worldly sorrow doesn't do anything. There's no change of mind. There might be remorse. There might be I'm sorry. But hear me, there's no change. In other words, you can have worldly sorrow. But if it lacks repentance, a change of mind, hear me, it does not benefit you. Amen. Matter of fact, the scripture said it results in spiritual death. If saying you are sorry, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I just got to speak the truth today. If saying you're sorry doesn't also involve godly sorrow or leading away from sin, then you're really just sorry you got caught. If there's no change. 
See, that's why repentance is not only a change of mind, but it's also biblically defined as a turning around. An about face, an inward change of attitude and thinking that leads to an outward change of behavior. And hear me, unless both of those occur, real repentance is not taking place in your life. Amen. Say, oh, man, you're talking about works-based salvation. No, I'm not. We are saved by grace. But that grace is manifested or demonstrates, ultimately produces fruit in our lives. Now, I'm going to give you Bible for that today. Amen. Acts 26 and verse 20, it says that all must repent of their sins and turn to God. And what? Prove they have changed. How? By the good things they do. Let me show you how to rightly divide the word. All must what? Repent of their sins and prove they have what? Changed by how? The good things that they do. Matthew 3 and 8. If you need it a little bit plainer, here's another verse. Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Come on. Don't just say it with your mouth. Come on. Don't just Put it on your Facebook page. Don't just put it on Instagram. Amen. Don't prove by the way you live. So how do we do this? How do we become a living sacrifice? How do we really change our mind? First of all, we've got to stop immature and selfish thinking. I am preaching to the adults in the house today, right? All the little kiddies are upstairs. Amen. So let me preach to the grown-ups for a minute. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 20. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. Mm. And then secondly, in order to do that, we got to start thinking mature thoughts. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 11. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I stopped those childish ways. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, say, it might be time to grow up a little bit. I got to change my mind. Philippians 2 and verse 5, look, it says, in your lives, you must what? Think and act like Christ Jesus. You got to think and act like Christ. See, spiritual growth and change are the process of replacing lies with truth. Many of the troubles that we face occur because we are basing our choices on unreliable sources. And can I just tell you right now, you can find a source that will support whatever your belief system is now. We used to say it was on the internet, so it has to be true. Now, if it's on the internet, I can guarantee you. It's probably you're going to find some place that's going to be a lie. No matter what you want to believe, you can find a source. Here's the problem. We're being influenced by a lot of things today, even in the church. For example, culture. Everybody's doing it. Some of us are still being influenced by traditions. Well, we've always done it that way. Or by our reason. Well, it seems logical to me. Or by our emotions. It just feels right. Folks, your feelings will deceive you. you got to quit following your feelings. Amen. All of these things, culture, tradition, reason, emotions, they're flawed. You want to know why? Because of our sinful nature. Amen. What we need is a perfect standard. And hear me, only God's Word 
meets that perfect standard. Hallelujah. We do not have enough human strength to conform to God's standards. But through repentance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the, and the, uh, uh, the movement of the Spirit in our lives, we can be transformed to be what God wants us to be. I want to take the last part of this sermon. I want to give you some principles. If you want to do this, I'm going to give you some principles today that will help you to change your mind. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Don't forget the unseen war. We're in a war, folks. This is not just patty cake for Jesus. This is not just I made a confession of faith and everything's all good. This is not just I'm going to go to church once a week and one day the Lord's going to come back and I'm going to. No, we are in a war. Every day we are at war. Everybody say amen. Come on. Sometimes, though, we get so casual in our relationship with Jesus that we forget we have an actual enemy. Come on. There is a very real spirit realm. There is a very real fight against Satan. And it's happening all around us all the time. And sometimes we forget that his greatest battlefield is in our minds. Amen. We think the stuff that we're up against is just life. We think it's, man, it's just these dingbats that I work with. It's just the pressure. It's just problems. It's just, a, and, but we forget there is a war going on. And here's what the Apostle Paul said about it in Romans 7, 18. He said, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. Can somebody say amen? amen. That never happened to any of y'all, did it? Let me see if there's anybody else this applies to. Verse 19. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Can I get a gratuitous amen from anybody that's been there? Here's what Paul said. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Folks, this is the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is the guy that's probably the greatest man to live since Jesus. And Paul said, I try to do good, but there's nothing good in me. I've got a sinful nature, and I try to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do wrong, but I do it anyway. It's a war. Don't forget it's a war. Here's the second principle you need to remember if you want to live a changed life by changing your mind. Understand that our thoughts control our lives. Here's the good news. We can control our thoughts. Come on. We can't control our thoughts. And since we have a choice over what we think about, we've got to train ourselves not to obsess over problems in life. Amen. Amen. I had to practice what I preached this week. Just a few days ago on Wednesday morning, I got the rare treat of taking my six-year-old grandson to school. And, uh, and his name is Mason. He wasn't really having a very good attitude that morning. He was upset because he did not want to go to school. He wanted to go to my house and play. So he started telling me all the things that he didn't like about school. So I had a few minutes. I said, Mason, I said, you've got to start thinking about positive things instead of negative things. So he paused for a minute and he said, Papa, what is positive and what is negative? I thought, oh, great. So I got to give him a little, you know. A little six-year-old's version of a sermonette about positive and negative. I told him what was positive. And man, when he got out of the car, he was smiling. And I thought, man, I had a good pawpaw moment today. (laughs) 
positive and negative. Now, I'm sure probably an hour later, he was back to being a six-year-old. But man, that was Wednesday, and I felt great. And guess what? Thursday came. (laughs) And this time, it wasn't Mason. It was me. Amen? Thursday came. Thursday happened. Something happened on Thursday, and I'm not going to go into it. It absolutely ruined my day. Now, when I said this in the first service, Debbie Fuller was in there, and she went, Amen! I said, Debbie, you need to go in the kitchen and do something. Get out of here. I said, I did not need that amen right there. Something happened. And guess what? Is the problem fixed? Nope. I had to deal with it all day Friday. Most of the day yesterday. Was it my fault? Nope. Was it the fault of somebody in my circle of friends or family or anybody in this church? Nope. Is the problem resolved? No. But guess what? I had to make up a decision and make up in my mind. Thursday night, I finally had to say, I cannot let these thoughts dominate my day-to-day living. I did. I literally consciously said, we were getting ready to celebrate our anniversary. I said, I am not going to let this wreck my anniversary dinner at Lulu Birds in Gloucester. Amen. I ain't going to let it happen. Amen. 33 years of wedded bliss. Well, there are some years of wedded bliss. It wasn't all wedded bliss, right? But I said, you know what? I can't. I've got to change my mind. Amen. And folks, let me, I'm gonna, I want to help somebody here today. I had to change my mind and I had to decide I cannot let those thoughts control me. Somebody needs to hear this today. Nobody is forcing you to think about or obsess about your fears, worries, and insecurities except you. Nobody. We got to own it. Because hear me, even though God can help you change the way you think, ultimately I am responsible for the way that I think. I cannot just always say the devil made me think this. Or I didn't mean it. Or I'm a worrier by nature. That's just how I'm wired. Folks, can I say this real kindly? That's a cop out. And I can tell you from personal experience because I am hardwired to be a worrier. If you don't believe me, if Debbie was in here, she'd yell, Amen. My wife and kids, I'm hardwired that way. But guess what? I cannot live my life that way. I had to make up my mind a whole, a long time ago that I had to put on the mind of Christ and I have to suppress these thoughts that want to sabotage my victory in Jesus. I don't know who you are, but I'm helping somebody right now. Somebody shout, I changed my mind. Come on, our minds are like tuning into a radio station or watching TV. Man, when I grew up, there was three stations. Six, eight, and 12. Man, we had a victory dance when Channel 35 came. Fox. And sometimes you could pick up 23 if the weather was just right. PBS. Man, five choices. How am I going to make all these choices? And now we got cable. Hundreds of choices. I remember not long ago we were going to have a little movie night at home, me and Robin. And I said, all right, I'm going to go on Netflix. I'm going to find us something to watch. She went off, did something. She came back like 15 minutes later. I was still surfing. She's like, you still haven't found anything? I'm like, there's too many choices. I can't make up my mind. Folks, 
We have got to choose what we tune into. Right now, you need to turn to your neighbor and tell them, say, you might need to change the station. Come on, some of us, we've been on the wrong station. We've been tuned into the negativity. We've been tuned into the lies of the enemy. Come on, it's time to change your mind. Change the way you think. Change that station. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Did you see that personal responsibility? We take captive. Taking captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. And folks, I'm going to just say, that's not always easy. It requires energy. It requires effort. It requires discipline. It requires repenting. I'm changing my mind. Amen. So, number three. Third principle. Learn to think like Jesus. Notice I said learn because it don't happen automatically. It doesn't happen as soon as you become a believer. It doesn't. Jesus, though, is the model for healthy, happy, holy thinking. First Peter 4 and 1, I love this from the message. It says this, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Jesus has been through it all and more. Learn to think like him. He understands all the deceptions, all the fears, all the difficulties. Nothing surprises him. No matter what you've been through, you can learn to think like Jesus. Number four, you ready? Understand that our behaviors are based on our beliefs. Come on. Some of us have been thinking one way for so long. And it, is, it influences our behaviors. Whenever you do anything, doesn't matter if it's good or bad, hear me. Your actions are based on a belief that you hold. Or a belief system that you hold. Think about any action in your life that you want to change and ask yourself, why am I doing this? When you discover that answer, you will know what that underlying belief is, what that triggering thought is. Amen. You may discover that you've been acting on a wrong belief. That's why Proverbs 14 and 15 says, fools will believe anything, but the wise think about what they do. Think about what you're doing. Think about why you believe what you believe. Is culture telling me this? Is my religious upbringing telling me this? Is my family telling me this? Is the world telling me this? Is the word of God telling me this? Come on, think about what is prompting you to think the way you think. Satan uses lies to tempt us. He tells us that sin won't hurt us. He tells us we can handle it. He makes us doubt what God has clearly said in the Bible. And hear me, Satan has a unique game plan and strategy for your life. He knows just what bait to hook you with. And we got to take some time to understand the lies that we're believing and manifesting in our lives. Amen. Understand there are, there are belief systems, paradigms, ways that we've been hardwired, sometimes strongholds in our minds that we have to tear them apart and understand why we are the way we are. Number five, here's another principle. We can change our feelings by changing our thoughts. You can. 
Jonah did this in Jonah 2 and 7. He said, when I lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord. Amen. Come on, life certainly includes some days where we feel hopeless. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how much of a positive thinker you are. Some days you just have a bad day, right? But we got to be like Jonah and turn our thoughts back to the Lord. Remember, change starts in the mind. And it's tempting to think that changes start with the external stuff. Well, if my family would change, or if my job would change, or if my finances would change. No, it starts right here. We change our feelings by changing our thoughts. Here's the last point I want to share with you. We need God's Word and His Spirit within us. Come on, all this other stuff, if you're going to replace the culture of this world, if you're going to replace ungodly thinking, if you're going to replace the, the tools and the efforts of the enemy to attack us, you've got to have God's Word and His Spirit in us. Amen. Here's what 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 says. We do live in the world, but what? We do not fight in the same way the world fights. Verse 4, we fight with weapons that are different from those that the world uses. Our weapons, what? They have power from God that can destroy the enemy's strong places. We destroy people's arguments and every proud thing that raises itself against the knowledge of God. And we capture every thought and what? Make it give up. And obey Christ. Amen. You know what I thought when I read that scripture? I thought about when we were kids and we would grab somebody around the neck and we'd start giving them a knuckle shot. Change your mind yet? No. Change your mind yet? No. Get two hands in there on it. Change your mind. Yes, I changed my mind. I love it. You got to make that thought. Give up. And obey Christ. Come on, God's given us everything we need to win this war. Amen. His spirit and his word will set us free. Romans 8, verses 5 through 6. Look, those who are dominated, here it is again, by the sinful nature, do what? They think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit. Verse 6, so letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. When I make the choice in my life and say, Holy Spirit, would you please guide my thoughts today? Would you please guide my life today? Would you please guide my words today? Amen. That changes everything. Amen. When my mind is controlled by selfishness or by sin, the Bible says that results in death. But when I let the Holy Spirit control my thoughts, that results in life and peace. And folks, that's an incredible change. But I'm just going to tell you from my own personal experience, it doesn't happen overnight. you got to work at that every day of your life. When my mind is controlled by the wrong things, I go in the wrong direction. But when I let the Holy Spirit do its work, Here's what Ephesians said, Ephesians 4.21, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. In verse 23, I love it, it says, instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Come on, throw off the old sinful nature and instead, let the Spirit do its work. Somebody say, I changed my mind. I want the praise team and musicians to come.
We've got to pray, God, come into my mind. Let your thoughts crowd out my negative thoughts. Let your mind dominate my thoughts. Here's what I know. Positive minds produce positive lives. Amen? Amen? Negative minds produce negative lives. Positive thoughts are thoughts that are full of faith and hope. Negative thoughts are full of fear and doubt. We got to think and speak in agreement with God's will and his plan for our lives. That's repenting, changing my mind. Every time I get off that path, every time I walk down the path of fear, every time I walk down the path of doubt, every time I utter a negativity, I got to change my mind. Change the way I'm thinking. Start speaking by faith. Do you want to know what the fruit of the Spirit is? It's real simple. It's behaviors that come from Spirit-led thinking. I've heard all kinds of sermons. I've preached about the fruit of the Spirit. I've taught about it. And it's real simple. Spiritual thinking produces spiritual fruit. Come on. You want to have good fruit in your life? Start letting the Holy Spirit baptize your thoughts. Baptize your thinking. Is this making sense to anybody here today? Come on. Behaviors that come from spirit-led thinking. It is impossible to get from wrong behavior to right behavior without first changing your mind. And we all need to do this. We have the power to change our thoughts. How? Philippians 4 and 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. By the way, notice that word, fix your thoughts. Fix them. You can't just do it occasionally. You can't just do it when you feel good. You can't just do it in one of those good spirits. you got to fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, and what. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I want you to stand with me right now all over this room. close today by reading something that we used to read in our journey classes years ago. I went back to it and I pulled it out of those old notes and I wanted to share it with you right here. I think this is one of the greatest examples of repentance changing our minds that I've ever found. It's a book. It's called The Autobiography of Five Short Chapters by Portia Nelson. Listen closely. I'm going to read the whole book to you. Five short chapters. Are you ready? Chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It is not my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see that it's there. I still fall in. It's become a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. And then chapter 5, I walk down another street. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo! Come on, that's repentance, folks. I fell in the first time. I didn't see it coming. 
I fell in the second time. I kind of saw it coming, but I liked it. I saw it the third time. I jumped right in the hole, and I got back out immediately. The fourth time, I walked around it. And the fifth time, I just said, you know what? I'm tired of battling with this. I'm walking down a different street. Amen. Repentance. I'm changing my mind. And when I change my mind, I change the way I live. So I'm going to give an altar call right now. It's a call to repentance. Not, oh, I'm so sorry, God. It's me again, Lord. No, 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 not just that. Now, if you need to do that, if you've never done that, do that. Because repentance is a beautiful thing. Matter of fact, the Bible says angels rejoice when a sinner repents. So if you haven't made a commitment yet to serve the Lord, I invite you to do exactly what the Scripture said. Repent of your sins. Confess Jesus as your Savior. Ask God to begin a work in your life. Amen. Get baptized. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Live a fruitful life. It's a process, though. It's a journey. But for the rest of us in this room right now that are already believers, I implore you today. And here's my call to you, Deuteronomy 30, 19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. I want to speak, I want to speak especially, I want to speak to everybody that's under the age of 30 or maybe even under the age of 40. Hear me. It took me a long time to get my thinking right. Because I've always been a positive person, but I'm just going to be honest with you. When something would come in to wreck my plan or to wreck what was going on, I didn't always handle it well. I didn't always process it well. Amen. Until finally one day from under my feet to where I could only lean on him and not on my own ingenuity and not on my own great ideas, not on my own creative way. And I finally had to realize, you know what, God, you got my attention. So here's why I'm saying, I want to speak this to everybody under the age of 40. Change your thinking now. And watch the trajectory of your life totally change for the good. Come on. Are there there anybody over 50 that can say amen to that right now? Don't wait until you're my age to do it. Change. Choose life. Say, God, I'm going to make an altar. A regular part of my everyday living. I'm going to repent because I acknowledge that I still have a sinful nature. And I have to change the way I think. Paul said daily. If you're prone to worry, guess what? You've got a sympathizer right here. I understand you. You're my guy. You're my girl. I get you. But guess what? I love you enough to tell you, you've got to take responsibility and change it. And say, Lord, I'm going to put the Holy Spirit on. I'm going to think the thoughts of Christ. I'm going to speak positive. I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak faith. Amen? So here's what I want us to do. I'm going to open this altar. And I'm going to ask you to step out and say, God, today, I'm making a change. I am not going to allow negative thoughts. I'm not going to allow the enemy that fights in my mind. I'm not going to allow him to stop me from my destiny in the Lord. I want to challenge you to step out from where you are and say, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to start right now as a young man, as a young woman. I'm going to change the way I think. Every day I'm going to put on the mind of Christ. Every day I'm going to baptize my thinking. I'm going to change the way I think. And here's what I want us to do before we sing. Come on down. I'm going to give you a minute. Then we're going to do something together.
Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your hands. Now, this might seem like a silly exercise, but are you ready? I want you to put them on your head. And I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us right now, and I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, this body of believers that's here right now, I ask you, God, to baptize our minds. Help me to put on the mind of Christ. When my flesh rises up, when doubt rises up, when fear rises up, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray, God, that I can have the courage and the capacity to take every thought captive that rises up against you. God, I want it to be submitted to you. I want to be, uh, I want my life to be submitted to you, God. I want your anointing to be on my mind and on my hearing and on my speaking, God. God, I want to speak life and not death. I want to speak faith and not fear. And all of that begins, God, by changing the way I think. I am a blood-bought believer. I am a child of God. I am filled with your spirit. Oh, I am covered by your blood. I am the head and not the tail. I am the first and not the last. I, God, am your child. Lord, you have adopted me into the family. I am greater than my enemy. I am stronger than my weakness. I, God, can do all things through Christ
home and I want you to start believing God for the things that he's spoken to you that you've stopped believing him for. I want you to go home and I want you to breathe new life under the promises of God in your life. I want you to say, God, move every obstacle. Move, shake the unshakable. God, I still believe, because let me tell you something, if God said it, it will come to pass. Oh, you don't believe me. I said, if God said it, it will come to pass. If God said it, it will come to pass. And you know what? Sometimes the obstacle that needs to move is me. Sometimes the thing that needs to be shaken is my thinking. So you embrace it. You go home and you dream big dreams. You believe God for the impossible. It's going to come to pass. Amen. Hey, thanks for watching. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss one of our videos or live streams in the future. Also, take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.